Welcome to the highly anticipated fantasy football preview podcast. We did this one year ago, and I did it with this very special guest, a man who has called the radio station WFAN for many years. He's called Joe Beningo back in the overnights. He's called Mike Francesa, and he's become a somewhat regular on the midday show. You know him as Steve in Howard Beach, but he's more than just that. He's a business owner, and he's a fantasy football expert. So, Steve... I'm glad you're in the building. I'm glad you're here for the second annual Fantasy Football Preview. Are you ready to go? Very excited to kick this thing off. Uh, also was a trainer to Evan Roberts back many years ago. That's how we met. But we're going to skip that, talk about that another time. And, yeah, I am super pumped. I'm excited. I'm prepared mentally. Let's kick this thing off. All right, off. let me start off with a topic. And we'll get, basically, here's how it's going to work. We are going to rank guys from each position. We'll go five or six deep. We'll each supply some super sleepers. We'll talk about third-round picks that we believe will perform as first-round picks. We'll talk about guys you should be aware of. We'll take some Twitter questions. So we will cover it all during this fantasy football preview. But I want to start here because to most people listening who are familiar with you, they know you as a Dolphin fan. Uh, They know Joe as the number one Jet fan, and obviously I'm a diehard Jet fan. Joe doesn't play fantasy. We do. One thing Joe always wonders about is how you balance the two things. So I know my strategies as a Jet fan because at the end of the day, my fandom for my real football team is what matters more than anything. I want to win fantasy. I love fantasy. Fantasy's great. But the team I root for is in my blood. I know you're the same way as a Dolphin fan. So how the hell do you balance being the Dolphin fan that you are and also owning a very highly expensive fantasy football team? Well, for the most part, um, when I draft, I draft according to what team I think is going to be the best team that gives me the best shot to win, whether that's taking Dolphins or not. I don't like go into a draft thinking I'm going to take Miami Dolphins because that's my favorite team. No, there's too much invested. So you've been to my house where I have the one big screen, the three screens underneath, and I have an additional two screens that I watch yes. below that. You now. inspired me to do that as well, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and <laughs> in fact, quite a few people have evolved their watching system to multiple screens these days because of the abundance of action and the need to see everything all the time. I'm always watching the Dolphin game on the main screen. Those other screens, those are all less important fantasy-related screens, and in most cases... Those other screens are related to an AFC East game. Sure. Because I always have the presence of mind to keep my Miami Dolphins first. It's been that way from day one, and it'll be that way Wait, but, if fantasy's ever gone from my life. But here's my question, though. So let's take Le'Veon Bell, who I think is a good example, because this is something I'm wrestling with at the top of the draft. I'm obviously a Jet fan. You hate the Jets. You can admit it. You hate them. Yeah, admit I can't it. stand them. I never liked them. They're my most hated team in the, in the East. Totally fair. That's right. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Would you sit there and avoid Le'Veon Bell in the first round because of that? No. I, I so you draft him? I would draft the guy that I am in love and with in the you, first round. And what are you going to do when the Dolphins play the Jets? Do you just sit there rooting for Le'Veon Bell to fail? Like, what do you root for then? No, you absolutely have to root for your team. So you have to put it in the back of your mind that fantasy is second no matter what. The priority is your team, whether that's rooting for your first round pick or not. Uh, if the game is absolutely out of hand and the guy accumulates some statistics, you know what? It's not the end of the world. 
but that's a whole different well, situation. So think back to last year, because I remember a few of the things we talked about. And one of the things that I was right about, and I was not right about a lot of things, by the way, but one thing I was right about is I was adamant Travis Kelsey's the number one tight end. And at the time a year ago, Rob Gronkowski was still considered that number one guy. A part of why in my real league I drafted Travis Kelsey, had great success because of him, was not just because I thought fantasy-wise he'd be more productive, but because if things are close, I don't want a Patriot on my roster. So the one thing I, I think I do differently than you is that if it's close, if it's almost a tie in a way, I'm going with the guy that doesn't play my team in the NFL schedule, not in the AFC East, and a non-offensive player. Do you do that at all? Not at all. Not I, at all. I personally am okay. uh, a 360. I, I, I do not do that whatsoever. I go the complete other way. I draft players based on what I think they're going to do production-wise, fantasy-wise, and have nothing to do with my fandom. Okay. So I leave, I'm able to compartmentalize in that regard over many years of being involved in fantasy, and that's why I think I've gotten so much better at it. Okay, so you will have no preference, like with a guy like Kenyon Drake, who's probably the first dolphin off the board in fantasy, despite the foot issue he's dealing with. He's probably the first dolphin off the board. Fair to say. You will not go out of your way at all to draft him. No, in fact, I can't okay. stand Drake. Uh, I mean, <laughs> okay. I love Drake as a player. I just can't stand him in fantasy this year. I think he's getting overdrafted too early. But he's getting overdrafted simply because he's a running back, and t- and guys are desperate, gals are desperate to make sure they're not left with nothing. That's really, I think running backs are always overdrafted. It happens every year. Yeah, and especially Drake, he's shown flashes of being able to be a really good receiver out of the backfield. You? But I love Bell, and I'll tell okay. you, if I'm there in the first round at six, seven, or eight. I would take Bell without question. I go higher. Even though I, go higher. I am a diehard Miami Dolphin fan. I go higher. And let's start off by doing our top running backs because that's also the top of your board. Let's be honest. I mean, most people, unless you're getting crazy, unless you're that aggressive on drafting a wide receiver early or a Patrick Mahomes, which I think would be a big mistake as good as he was last year, the top six picks, maybe more than that, are going to be running backs. So let's start with our top five running backs. And I'll start by telling you, that my number one running back on the board is Saquon Barkley. That, you know, Alvin Kamara is somebody I'm thinking about, especially with Ingram not being there. That's certainly a big factor. But I look at Saquon right now with a much better offensive line. I mean, this offensive line that the Giants have is significantly better. I think there'll be a negative in that the amount of checkdowns will probably go down because I don't think that we'll see as much of that with Eli and eventually Daniel Jones. But this is a guy, Steve, right out of the gate, 1,300 yards. 11 touchdowns as a freaking rookie with a trash offensive line. So to me, my number one guy on the board is Saquon Barkley. Uh, listen, I love Alvin Kamara, number one. I, you know, I think without Mark Ingram there, he's going to become a much higher priority in that offense. I don't think Latavius Murray is going to take much from him whatsoever. And this is a guy that we have just started to see his unbelievable athletic ability. And in that offense, I think this is a year where he has his best NFL year yet receiving and running the ball. Yeah, I I put Kamara number two. One thing that I think is going to be a factor, and we've seen this with New Orleans, is despite Ingram not being there and Latavius Murray being the backup, I wouldn't be worried about Murray taking carries away from him. But this is such a high-powered offense. There are other guys that's going to get the football in their hands. I'm not as convinced about that with the Giants. And I'm sorry, with Odell Beckham not being there, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram we hear about all the time. I think the opportunities for Saquon, whether they're trailing in games or not, I think are going to be there. 
So I put Alvin Kamara number two. My number three guy is Christian McCaffrey. We saw such a jump last year. Forget about the catches. Forget about the receptions, which have been there. They treated him like a bell cow running back. And I've got no reason to believe that's going to change. So McCaffrey's my number three. I'll give you the rest of my top five, and then you give me your top five. My number four guy is Le'Veon Bell. And the truth is, because of what I talked about with fandom, I probably would go against my own rankings and take Bell as high as two. Maybe even number one, if I was in that position. And I admit, it's because of fandom. It's because very rarely in my life as a Jeff fan have I had the opportunity to take a guy as high as that. I'm not concerned about him missing a year. I think Adam Gase is going to feed him a ton. I think he's going to be such a huge part of this offense. And I'd put him number four. And I like a bounce back year to David Johnson. A much, much improved team. It's still not a great team, but with that new Cliff Kingsbury offense with a quarterback that's mobile, I think Johnson, after two years, one because of injury, but two down years, let's face it, I think David Johnson has a big bounce back year. Those are my top five guys. Not a fan of Johnson, only because of the rookie quarterback situation. There's not much of a receiver quality there uh, after Larry Fitzgerald, and we we all know how he's you know declining and his age is a factor here. But I'm going to give you my top five, with Kamara being one. If all things play out well here in Dallas, Elliott's my two, Saquon is three. Uh, I'm going between McCaffrey and James Conner as my four or five. Now, here's why I've driven Conner up the charts. That team is coming together. That team is forming a unity after what's happened last year, uh, the talk of Tomlin, uh, Antonio Brown leaving, so everything that has transpired has glued this team together, and Connor is going to have a second full year under his belt as a full-time running back, and that's going to uh, escalate his productivity. So I'm battling between McCaffrey and Connor at four or five right now. I I take McCaffrey based on the receiving ability, but Connor is my five. I disagree with you on a couple of things. Number one, let's get to Z because I left him off my top five for a reason. I I can't put him there. And we'll call this the lesson of Le'Veon Bell. I can't put him there. I don't know if he's showing up. Now, Stephen Jones could say all day, I'm confident. We're going to get it figured out. We're going to sign him. But remember Le'Veon Bell. And that's the lesson I think we all have to learn. Now, if they signed him, maybe they signed him even before we post this podcast. I don't know. You know it just comes out they signed him. I'm a little bit but not a lot concerned about him not having a training camp. A little bit. It's tiny. It's small. It's not something overly significant. But if you're going to your draft, and my draft that I have is three days before the start of the year. That's when we do it. The Tuesday after Labor Day. It's kind of a tradition. If he hasn't signed the contract, Steve, I'm not freaking touching him until, call me crazy, and I won't ever touch him because it won't fall this far. I wouldn't touch him until the fourth round. I wouldn't touch him. How the hell could I sign this guy? Le'Veon Bell ruined fantasy seasons last year, bro. How could you touch this guy? I wouldn't touch Elliott at that point if he's not signed yet. I'd take him out of probably probably my top 10. Uh, but if he's not signed at that point, I'm driving Le'Veon Bell into the five and then moving everybody else accordingly. I'm going to give you a guy or two at the running back position. Not that I wouldn't draft them, but guys I'm not as high on. All right, Can I give you one? You want to hear one? Yeah, let me hear your one. Number one is Dalvin Cook. Not high on Dalvin Cook. You you think I'm crazy? I absolutely love Dalvin Why? Cook this year. Why? He's actually he... almost broken my top five because... Broken your top five? 
Why? I, I think this is the well, year. Well, this guy's where... been is a disappointment the two years he's been here. Well, when he's played, he's played well. That's and, the key. Uh, when know, he's played, I, I feel like there. I, I feel like injuries in the NFL sometimes are way overrated. I feel like when when an individual is injured, he almost carries that the rest of his life. There is a chance that this guy may have taken a different approach. He looks a lot trimmer, healthier. There's been talk about his nutrition, his training. So he may play a full year. And if he plays a full year, their offensive line is still intact and still a pretty real, uh, still really a pretty good one. I feel that they're going to have a monstrous year running the ball. So, and Dalvin Cook obviously would be the uh, beneficiary. Okay, so you bring up sometimes you have that badge, not of honor, but the. Um what was that, a scarlet letter? Yeah, the scar. You ever read the scarlet letter, Steve? You have no, any idea what that is? No, yeah. Do you have any idea what the scarlet letter is? Uh, I've heard it being spoken about here and there, but <laughs> talk to me. What is it? <laughs> I forgot. I think is that a, like some type of curse or something? I think it's a book about a woman who committed infidelity and she had to wear a scarlet letter on her back okay. in the 1600s. I think that's what it is. But it's become a phrase that you carry a scarlet letter. So almost synonymous with Dalvin Cook's career. Yeah, but no, I understand your point of you suffer from an injury and that becomes something that's stuck with you. But in his rookie season... He played four games. He was on my fantasy team. I'll admit that. And by the way, I think that's a huge factor with all of us. We always hold things that guys did or didn't do for our teams against the guy or for the guy. So Davin Cook was on my team. I thought I was brilliant. Oh, I got this kid. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he, picked played, him. he shot out of a cannon. He played tremendous. Shot out of the cannon. And then what happened? Tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So he tears his ACL. All right. No big deal. He's 22 years old. He missed the season. It happens. What did he do last year? He had a hamstring injury early on. I mean, why wouldn't those two things be related? Why wouldn't you believe at 24 years old, two years in this league, that it's fair to say, hey, maybe this guy can't get through a full season? You know, it's not as if he had, Steve, one injury and we're just, I'm just holding that against him. He's had multiple injuries. He's been in the league for two years. This is supposed to be the prime of his career. I don't care about his offensive line. If he can't play, he can't be productive. So well, I'm scared of him. Well, this is an individual that came back probably too soon from his injury. And what happens when you come back too soon from a devastating injury? You start to see other things change, start to see injuries accumulate. And I feel like after last season, he's heading into a season where he is injury-free. He's finally got his nutrition, his training down pat. And I think we're going to see a monster year out of Cook. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Cook was a top three back after the season said and done. Can I give you another guy I'm concerned about? Mark Ingram. Is he another guy that you love? No. <laughs> he, he's way okay. out of my top 12. Yeah, he's – the problem I see with him, and it may not be fair. Remember, he missed the first four games last year, not because of injury, but because of the suspension. Um, he's the top back in Baltimore right now, and he's almost 30 years old. And I think I'm just overly – overall concerned about what is he at this point. You know, we've talked about a lot of running backs so far, and most of them are 23 – they're 24, they're 22, they're young. You're talking about a guy that's almost 30 years old. So I, I kind of worry about Ingram in Baltimore. The, the guy that I love that we haven't mentioned uh, is Damian Williams. Listen, you know, I seen Damian Williams play in Miami, and he was fantastic, and he's proven to be quite the leader at the running back position in Kansas City when he's been given the opportunity Thus far, and it's only preseason, but in the preseason, he's played tremendously well. And Damian Williams is a guy that I would say is going to creep into the top seven to eight in the running back position. A guy that I really loved before this entire 
Lockor deal with the retirement was Maul and Mack. Mm. Uh, but, you know, for my money, Damian Williams is the type of guy to to get you 65 to 70 receptions if, and run for over 1,000 yards in this offense. See, sometimes... If he stays healthy. Sometimes things bleed together. One of my sleepers, and I, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes the word sleeper is kind of tough because what may be a sleeper to me, you may say, oh, he's not a sleeper. I would draft him high anyway, is Darwin Thompson, who is right now the backup running back to the man you just mentioned, Damian Williams. And what I would say is this. I think Darwin Thompson will end up having a better fantasy season than Damian Williams. If you mm. want to draft him, you think I'm crazy? I, I think that's a little outlandish, but talk ahead. Give me your Why insight. Why is it outlandish? What the heck is Williams done? Look and at is what, he that secure with that job? Look at what he's done the last five weeks of the season last okay. year. He's been tre- absolutely tremendous. Overall in his career, why would it be that outlandish to not think that a rookie in Darwin Thompson could overtake him and end up becoming the lead back for that team? I think that's very possible. I, in fact, if you draft Damian Williams, which, fine, you can go do it, I better make sure I get Darwin Thompson, too. Yeah, if, listen, if you're drafting Damian Williams early, which you're going to have to probably take him end of round two, early round three, you got to go and get Darwin Thompson around the seventh or eighth round, or maybe even earlier than that. He's also been getting a lot of reps, Thompson, with the first team. So I think that they look at him and see a guy who could get more opportunities than maybe you think. I think it's a 75-25 split with Williams getting about, you know, 75% of those touches and the rest of the backs on the team getting the 25%. So – I don't know if it warrants taking Thompson earlier than round seven or eight, but if you're, you know, a guy that drafts Williams early, you may want to take Thompson a little bit earlier in case what Evan says is accurate. Well, what I'm saying is accurate. Well, we'll <laughs> see. I have actually no idea. Um, how, and we're going to get to the wide receivers in a second, but I want to finish with the running backs in this point. When you're picking, I don't know how you do it in your league, but I'm in a 12-team league. I think a lot of people are in 12-team leagues. It's probably the most popular. And about 20 minutes before the draft, everybody pulls a number. And the first person gets to pick where they want to draft. And what I've noticed in the past is that guys start from the middle. So last year, I actually ended up with the number one overall pick, not because I was lucky, but because I think the six guys before me took other picks. So I ended up with the number one overall pick in the draft. I took Todd Gurley, which thank God, because I think that worked out. And we haven't mentioned Gurley and where he is this year. He's not the number one overall pick, obviously, this year, but it worked out. So for me, Steve, it was easy. I had my number one running back right out of the gate. If you are picking 9, 10, 11, if you're in that range, and let's say your number one wide receiver is sitting right there. My number one wide receiver, which we're about to talk about, is DeAndre Hopkins. Do you say to yourself, look, I love the wide receiver, but i got to make sure I get a top running back. How aggressive are you in the first two rounds specifically to make sure you end up with a running back? It all depends on the scoring format. But if you are in love, and I tell people this all the time, when you go into a draft, you draft with your intelligence and your heart. Because if there's someone there that you absolutely love, and then you start to think that these guys in this running back class are going to be gone, and then your guy produces like an all-pro that season, you are going to regret it every single day. It's going to affect not only your fantasy season, (laughs) it's going to affect your life. It's going to affect... Your marriage, if you're married, your family, it's going to affect your workplace. So you go into that draft and you pick the guy that you absolutely had your heart set on and your eyes set on. So for me, if I'm late in the first round and I got one of my top one or two receivers there, say a DeAndre Hopkins or a Michael Thomas, 
I'm absolutely taking them because running backs present themselves during week three, four, five, six out of the woodwork. So you can get guys later than having to, you know, scramble and rush and grab a running back in the first round because you think you're desperate. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, year to year, I've always employed different strategies on it because you draft all over the place. I mean, sometimes it's easy. I think if you're picking number one overall, it's easy in terms of, okay, I got my number one running back. The problem is you got to wait two and a half hours before you pick again. And at that point, who knows what you're looking at? Uh, let's go to wide receiver. I'll let you start it off. Give me your top five. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, number one. Uh, Michael Thomas, two. I'm debating between him and Hopkins because I think Thomas mm. now getting the salary is actually going to give him peace of mind to go out and play his hardest ball ever. So I, I, I'm flirting with Michael Thomas at one. I'll, I'll have a better understanding of where I'm going to go as my drafts present themselves, but can, right now it's the Andre Hopkins one. Uh, Thomas is great. All right, let, let me just want to start there, but any concern about his ability to get in the end zone? I mean, he hasn't gotten in the end zone a lot. No, I, I think that can change. Look at what Julio Jones did. You know, Julio Jones had a couple years where yeah. he wasn't in the end zone, and then all of a sudden last year, he was just in there every week. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not too worried about that. I think it's a, a matter of chance when they get down there. So you're going Hopkins one, Michael Thomas two. Yeah, I'm only going Hopkins one right now because I think Deshaun Watson's going to have his greatest year ever. Uh, I think entering this season, uh, he's in this uh, period of learning and understanding the offense where he's going to bring a whole new dynamic to that offense, and we're going to see a number one quarterback. We'll get to that later. But Hopkins one, Thomas two, Julio three, Mm. and I'm debating between Devontae and Juju four five. Right now I would take Devontae at four only because – of uh, his chemistry with Rodgers, and this is Juju's first year overtaking the helmet receiver in Pittsburgh. But those are my the top helmet five. receiver. The helm at receiver. Oh, the helm! I thought you said the helmet yeah. receiver. The helm. <laughs> it sounded that way. He's overtaking that AB spot at receiver. Well, that, that's in why it was funny because I thought the you helmet. called him. Yeah. I thought you called him the helmet receiver. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of with you. No, number one to me is DeAndre Hopkins. Number two is Julio Jones. And, and the reason I would say Julio, and it's close, by the way. I don't think you could go wrong with Hopkins, with Jones, with Michael Thomas, and Devontae Adams. Those are the top four guys, and I go back and forth on the order of it. Um, a part of me thinks that if the gun that was my gun was to my head, I think part of me leans towards Devontae Adams. I got to be honest with you. So I think those four guys are very, very close. But let me get to the guys who are not in my top five. Odell Beckham Jr. just can't be in my top five. He can't be. He doesn't play enough. It's the same issue we were talking about earlier with Dalvin Cook. Like, you've got to play. And if I've got concern that you're not going to play as electric as you are, Odell Beckham Jr., and this is not a, a huge knock on him, but right now he's more flash than anything. He's just a name. What has he done for the last two years? I absolutely agree. I, I have Odell Beckham Jr. out of my top ten. Out of your top 10. I wouldn't take it only because of the (laughs) offensive options on that offense. You know, this guy's had a devastating injury. He ended last year not playing the final four games for a questionable injury. I I question his attitude. Now he's going to a brand-new team, a brand-new city. You know, Baker Mayfield hasn't proven he's an all-pro yet. And I understand Eli Manning is not that guy. But they had a chemistry there. They had a rapport, and they did not have 
the running game that Cleveland has now. So we're going to see a lot less of opportunity that goes Beckham's way, especially when you have an individual in Jarvis Landry there, and I understand he underperformed last year versus versus previous statistics the year before that in Miami and the year before that one as well with 100 receptions and back-to-back seasons. But Odell Beckham Jr. has got to share the ball with at least five incredibly offensive, talented players. So that's why I keep him out of my top ten at wide receiver. You may think I'm crazy right now, but he's not there. I put guys like Mike Evans uh, and uh, Antonio Brown ahead of him. Look, out of the top five is one thing. The reason why I probably would pull the trigger on him in the top ten is that if he is healthy and Baker locks in on him as his number one guy, which I think he would if Odell's Odell, guy could be a monster, despite all the weapons that are being there. The guy could be a monster. One guy I've noticed who seems to be dropping, and I think he's dropping because people just don't like him as a person, is Tyreek Hill. I think we assume that Tyreek Hill was going to face some kind of significant suspension, and whether he should have or should not have is for a very different podcast. The bottom line is he's going to play. That's what we know. And one thing we know about Tyreek Hill is he is the definition of a home run hitter. I mean, he is one of the fastest guys in the league. He's playing with a premier quarterback in this sport. We talked about the running game in Kansas City and how it's certainly not reliable at this point. I think Tyreek Hill, for whatever reason, and maybe it is, you know, just as humans, maybe we just don't like him. Maybe that's it comes down to that. We just don't want to root for a guy like that. But he is sort of being forgotten about. Guy plays every game. He's played every game the last couple of years. Playing with an elite quarterback. Why not? You keep attacking this running game in Kansas City, and I think, I'm telling you, Damian Williams Williams, is going to open it up for this offense. But I I agree with you. People are taking Tyreek Hill later because of the the off-the-field issues. And again, this is fantasy football. This is where you go in and you take the best guy that's going to deliver week in and week out. But, you know, guys like Tyreek Hill are ahead of Odell Beckham uh, on my draft chart. I I just don't like the situation in Cleveland. He's never played with Mayfield. He has attitude issues. He's a bit of a diva. He's got other plays he's got to share the ball with. Uh, So, you know, a guy that you you may really want to think about escalating into your top six or seven that we haven't spoken about is Adam Thielen. This is a guy that produced week after week after week last year. I understand he had a little bit of a downgrade at the end of the year, but this is a guy that was consistent. So Adam Thielen is a guy that I put up ahead of Odell as well. Oh, fair enough. I'll give you a couple of guys to keep an eye on. Calvin Ridley frustrated the crap out of me last year because for the first six weeks of the year, I felt like a genius. I scooped in, got Calvin Ridley. He's getting in the end zone. It's great. And then he disappeared. He had a lot of drops. His focus kind of went away. I like Ridley to have a big bounce back year. Even though his rookie year overall was pretty good, I think if you watched him closely, you certainly saw a drop-off. And here's a guy that I am targeting. Hopefully nobody in my league is listening right now, and that's Tyler Boyd. Because when you look at the targets, A.J. Green is getting old. A.J. Green is banged up. John Ross, I don't even know how good he is. He's banged up. I like Tyler Boyd, who had a big year last year from 17 to 18 from a production standpoint. I think he's going to take another jump. I wouldn't be surprised if he had 90 catches, gotten in the end zone nine or ten times this year. So I like Tyler Boyd big time. I think he's going to have another jump like he had from last year to the the previous year. My guy that I think is going to have that jump, and I love Ridley as well, you know, especially playing in that offense opposite Julio Jones and having Matt Ryan as a quarterback helps even the more, is Mike Williams in San Diego. Mm. 
I, I just have not seen enough in that offense from Keenan Allen over the last three years with his inconsistency. He disappears in certain games. He's the type of guy to, to basically get you the statistics for three weeks in one game and then disappear for six games straight. So Mike Williams in that offense, especially going into his third year, a little bit more familiarity with his quarterback with Rivers. I think Mike Williams is that breakout player at receiver this year in San Diego. Last year at this time, and we may have talked about him on the podcast, one of the, the hot names was Christian Kirk, right? One of the hot names. Ah, he's going to have a big year. Eh, he didn't really do all that much. I think a part of it is the quarterback play. A part of it is they, they just overall weren't very good. He's one of the guys that I think benefits big time from the new Killiff Kingsbury offense and having what I think is going to be a real quarterback manning the position. We'll see. So I like Kirk. He's still young, still has a high upside. I think he has a very big year, especially compared to what he did in his rookie season. So where do you put T.Y. Hilton right now, now that Luck is retired? Uh, I mean, still high up. I mean, look, someone's catching the football, and I don't think Jacoby Brissett is that awful. I think T.Y. Hilton has proven to be a reliable guy, you know, who give you 75, 80 catches, will get in the end zone six or seven times. So I think he takes a little bit of a hit. But I think even with Luck, before he retired, there were going to be questions about his health to begin with. I mean, Andrew Luck has had a tough time staying on the football field, and we had already heard this year about the foot issues that he was dealing with. So I, I don't know. I mean, he's still a guy that you're drafting to me in the top 35, top 40. So that leads to being you know, to about a third-round pick, late second-round pick. I think it also depends on the makeup of your roster. I mean, if I'm getting two running backs at the top, T.Y. Hilton's not a bad guy to come back on the swing to get my, me as my number one wide receiver. But I like Brissett more than maybe most. I think he has a chance to be a real solid quarterback in this league. He's not going to be Andrew Luck, all right? But I think he has a chance to be decent. I took T.Y. Hilton from 12 to 13. Not much of a drop-off. I put Brandon Cooks in his place. I think Cooks is going to have a real solid year, especially now that he's with uh, – is quarterback for another full season with golf for another full season. Uh, here's a guy that seems to be dropping, and I don't know why, especially when he made an absolute monstrous impact last year in Dallas with Amari Cooper. Where do you put Cooper at this point? Um, He's banged up right now. I'm not overly concerned about that because I think at the end of the day he's going to play. The fact that we don't know about Zeke, actually adds to him a little bit, too, because they're probably going to throw the football a lot more. I'd probably put him average draft position kind of in that same range as T.Y. Hill, maybe a little bit higher. Um, but we saw Cooper, you know, look like a, a different player last year upon going to Dallas. It's a good fit for him there, but it's all interconnected. I mean, what is going to happen with the Dallas running game? And I think that, in, in essence, impacts what ends up happening with Amari Cooper. So we'll see. Well, I mean, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Think about a full year. Again, he only played, I believe, six games with Prescott last year. Right. Think about a full season with him and Prescott in Dallas together. After that six-game span where he basically torched the league. So that's why I escalate Cooper into my How top high? seven wide receiver. Top seven wide receiver. Mm -hmm. uh, let's get to the tight ends. I think number one, I know George Kittle was amazing, but I think number one has to be Travis Kelsey. The only issue you have with Kelsey, it's the same issue I think you'd have with anybody in Kansas City, is that that's last year Patrick Mahomes had a historical season. He put up production that is just very unlikely to happen again. 
And so if he doesn't put up the same production he put up last year in which he threw 50 touchdown passes, let's say that number is 39. That's fair, right? Drop off from 50 to 39. That's 11 less touchdowns. Who's suffering? Where are those bulls going? Where are they? Exactly. So if you don't think Mahomes is going 50 and 12 again, and I don't, doesn't mean he's going to be bad. Doesn't mean he isn't the number one wide receiver in fantasy. It just means 50 touchdown passes and 5,000 passing yards. That's a lot. I mean, it's just it's simple math. That's a lot. So if that number comes down, who takes the hit? Look, I don't think Travis Kelsey's necessarily going to put up the same production he put up last year. But I think if he puts up the production he put up, let's say the year before, where he had 20 less catches, got in the end zone two less times. He's still a top, 10 end, top, top, top tight end in this league. If he's giving you 85 catches, 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns, which is not what he did last year. Last year he was 103, 1,310. I think you still take him as a number one tight end. So I think it's easy to say he's a number one tight end. I think the real question is how early do you go get him? I got him last year. And I don't think I'd be able to do this again. Remember, I had the number one overall pick. Third round. Uh, that swing of second yeah, to third. That's where he was going. That's where he was going. That's not happening this year. That's no, not this, this year he's getting taken in the end of the first round or yeah. the second round. And there's no way at all that I am reaching for a tight end that early because if that tight end doesn't produce like you need him to, the rest of your draft will suffer because you're going to be scrambling to, to, to fix your running back position, to get your receivers. But listen, I think that offense, it's fair to say that they're going to take somewhat of a dip. I don't think they're going to take too much of a dip. I think Kelsey will have a monster season. I still don't think he warrants being taken in the first round, but I do have him at number one at my tight end. All right, that's easy. Now let's get to the rest. Who's number two for you? Ertz. Over George Kittle? Or over Kittle only because he's been there and he's done it more consistently over time. I want to see Kittle do it again. And it may be hard to duplicate the season that he had last year in San Francisco, but I want to see him do it again before I put him in the number two yeah, position over Ertz. No, you're right. It's got to be Zach Ertz. And here's another thing about Zach Ertz. If you look at his production from a fantasy standpoint, from a real-life standpoint, guy keeps getting better every single year. And he's only 28 years old. We're not talking about a guy who, well, we've seen the best of him. Now, it's going to be very difficult for him to add on to what he did last year. I mean, he caught 116 balls. But he's gotten better every single year. So I'm with you. I think from a reliability standpoint at Zach Ertz, with George Kittle, Look, logic would tell you he's going to have good production, if not the same, if not better, because of the quarterback situation. But I still think we need to see more from him. That was the breakout year for George Kittle. How does he bounce back from that? So I think those are the easy top three, and I'm agreeing with you on how I lay it out. Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle. How about four and five, though? I got Howard. I had I got O.J. Howard at four. I had Ebron at five. And I know a lot of people are pushing him down the tight end charts. But him with Andrew Luck, again, Luck retired, but going into this season with Luck, easily put Ebron in the top five for me with a second year of full work uh, going back at it again with those two. But now Ebron is obviously out of my top seven, and I'm escalating Evan Ingram into my top five uh, as a safe haven for Eli Manning. I think O.J. Howe is going to have a monster year. Uh, I still like Kittle threes, but that rounds out my top five. It's, so it's O.J. Howard four and then Ever, Evan Ingram five. All right. So I'm with you about O.J. Howard. I, I'm not a giant hater, obviously. I think anybody who listens, I'm certainly not. And I've mentioned Saquon Barkley is the guy I'm taking number one overall. You had Alvin Kamara. I, I'm really getting sick and tired of hearing about Evan Ingram. I mean, enough's enough. Go do it. Go do it. Monzo's shaking his head. What, what am I wrong about? You could turn the mic on and join us. Brian Monzo, of course, producer of Mike's on. 
I am so sick and tired of hearing Evan Ingram. What the hell is he done? Can he hear us? <laughs> he can uh, hear the us. The last few weeks, Monzo, last year, what's pretty your solid. take on Ingram? Well, you can't hear him because you don't have headphones on, but I'll repeat what Monzo says. Well, what am I wrong about with Evan Ingram? What the hell has he done? Well, he's only played for like two years. Okay. Well, I wasn't listening to the first part of the debate. Then get out of here. Oh, I didn't even put you on. All I'm saying is I, I think he's going to be a solid fantasy option. I think he has a chance to be a solid fantasy option. That's what Monzo just said, Steve. The problem is we're ranking five guys, and I'm not ready to put a guy who hasn't done it yet in my top five. I need more reliability. I need to feel comfortable about it. Now, am I putting, you know, a 35-year-old Greg Olson there? No. But Kyle Rudolph kind of intrigues me because you know what Kyle Rudolph does every single season? He freaking plays. He goes out there and plays. But he disappears. And he puts up Look, he gets 65 catches. Where he gets is you your consistency production. after the top five or six tight ends? Like, no, there, who's there that's Steve, going to deliver there week in and week out? There isn't. That's, that's the right. point. No, I that, think the only guy that we can put our maybe a little bit of faith in is Greg Olson. So you actually want to put him up there? I like that. Greg doesn't Olson. play. He, guys always hurt. He, again, a full year off from the NFL. Last year, he played a bit. But he had all that time to heal, to get his body right, to get his nutrition right, his training right. He's back with... Uh, Newton for a full season. This is the type of guy that comes hard, comes to play every week, and knows the offense better than everyone in Carolina. I think Olsen can possibly crack the top five or six at the tight end position this year, Look, especially I, being healthy and being a veteran. I, I would want to say a guy like Jordan Reed if he could stay healthy, but he's never healthy. This, the problem is, and I think here's the point of this whole exercise, once you get past the top three and four, we'll include O.J. Howard, once you get past the top four, to me, there's a massive drop-off. And if you're saying Evan Ingram is five, which I'm sure a lot of Giant fans would say, you're doing that based on a leap of faith that he hasn't done yet. So you want to say, hey, I think Evan Ingram's going to, this is the year he puts it all together. Okay, fine. But I just feel really, it's it's bad after the top four. That's the point. Like, there's just a huge drop-off after the, the top four. In the games where he's played well, he's shown flashes of brilliance. Okay. Now, how about this guy? He's a guy that's cracking into the top 10, and I have no idea why. Who's he that? shouldn't be there at all. Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry. He's, cl- he's Right now, uh, in terms of ADP and, and tight ends, he's about number seven or eight. Yeah. So wait, wait, what do you see with Hunter well, Henry? Another guy that hasn't done it. But I think it's the same thing in a way. It's kind of the same thing as Evan Ingram, that here's a guy who's 24 years old. Here's a guy that's given you flashes when he's been out there, and this is going to be his breakout year. That's what I really think it is, and I think that's what you're searching for once you get past those top four guys, and that's what leads me to this. You mentioned where to take Travis Kelsey. Well, where do you take guys like Kittle and Ertz who are productive, who you feel good about, especially at a position where, you know, once you get past the top four, we're all kind of taking flyers on guys. We're all picking guys who we think can be productive, but we certainly have no consistency with any of them. A guy like Kittle is going at the end of round two, and I believe, again, that's too early. You know, Ertz is, is going after Kittle, but he Ertz is going early round three, and again, I think that's too early. I think you have a bevy of tight ends that, that can produce for you this year. You have Jared Cook in New Orleans. Uh, I love TJ Hawkinson. Again, that's rookie. That's my big sleeper, TJ Hawkinson, big and I think that makes well. sense because of the position and because of the production he may be able to put together. Listen, there is so much talent out there at the running back receiver position, but once you take a tight end early, first, second, or third round, you're, you're kind of not seeing the fruits of those 
positions come back to you and deliver what they can in terms of a playoff or or a championship. I I think one thing that's also impacted this a little bit is the Herndon suspension because I think he's another guy, another local guy, who could have had a breakout year. I I streamed Herndon uh, the week Kelsey had his bye, and I think he was right. I think he was somewhat productive, put it that way. Um, he's a guy with this offense, with this jet offense, who could be productive. I think they're going to be people afraid because he's out for four weeks. And, you know, it's it's tough to just wait for them. You know, it's tough waiting for a guy when you're basically giving away four weeks like that. If you love Herndon, this is a positive for you because you put him on the back burner and you draft him late. Yeah. And maybe you steal a guy like that. And maybe he plays the way he did uh, with Donald uh, in his first year. But, you know, if you got your eyes set on a guy like Herndon, this can be beneficial for you as a fantasy fan. No question about it. All right. A couple of third-round picks that will perform as first-round picks. This is something Steve very much wanted to talk about. So give it to me. Give me some third-rounders that are going to perform like first-rounders because technically I don't remember how I swung with uh, (laughs) – that sounds weird – how I swung coming back in the second round with the number one overall pick. I remember I took Kelsey either last pick of the second round or first pick of the third round. For the sake of this, if I took him first pick of the third round, he clearly qualified as a guy that produced like a first-round pick. What third-round pick's producing like a first this year? So this is what I looked at a few days back before the Luck retirement. Marlon Mack, a guy that I felt was going to be an absolute superstar this year. And I understand luck won't be there and it will impact him somewhat because it, it, it's not going to stretch the offense as much. I still keep him there. I still think they're going to focus on getting him the ball. Now, listen to these stats. Mm-hmm. Last year, he had a yard per carry at 4.7. He had a yard per carry in the playoffs. At a 5.9. What does that tell you about Marlon Mack? He turned it up in the playoffs. He played 12 games in 2018. 12 last year. He had 908 rushing yards, 103 receiving yards with 10 total touchdowns. Again, he played 12 of 16 total games last year. So, therefore, those statistics, the athletic ability of a Marlon Mack and doing it this year with an offense that I believe is going to make him more of a priority now that luck is not there, is going to take Marlon Mack from third-round pick to first-round value. And he was great in the postseason. I know that that doesn't matter, but I keep thinking back to what he did in that first-round playoff game. He went for, what, it was 125 yards on the ground. I mean, they they dominated that game, period. But, you know, he, he's got a chance. He, I, I'm not a believer that we should take every skill position player, any running back, receiver on the Indianapolis Colts, and bury them. I think that, and maybe the advantage you can take take advantage of is that, is that guys are going to look at Colt players and basically say, man, I don't want to touch him. Andrew Luck's not there. Well, look, Andrew Luck is a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. I think we all understand that. But I don't necessarily think all of these guys are going to take that much of a massive hit because of the quarterback situation. I don't necessarily think all that's going to happen. So maybe that is something that we could all take advantage of because there are going to be a lot of, Drafters who say, I ain't touching a Colt. I don't want to touch this guy. That happens in the NFL on any team, there is always an advantage. Always understand that this luck um, retirement presents a ton of advantages. Now, it's bad for the league, it's bad for the Colts. It was a t- team that I felt was going to go 
to the AFC Championship game and possibly represent us in the Super Bowl. But there is a tremendous uh, something to take back here from from the players that are going to drop. They will fall in your lap. Yeah. So they will serve as a tremendous advantage if you land the right players. I think those two guys that are going to really do well in that system this year are Ebron and Mollenbeck. So here's a guy, and I don't know where he's going to go. I'm going to start off by saying that because I think every draft is going to be different. But one consensus has been don't touch Todd Gurley too early. Now, I mentioned he's the guy I got number one overall last year. No regrets. The guy got in the end zone 21 times. It was ridiculous. He was fan-freaking-tastic. And there's this sense of, well, the knee injury that he had and how they're going to use him is greatly going to be affected. Go take Daryl Henderson, the rookie, because he's going to take advantage of, you know, Todd Gurley not getting as many touches. And I don't think there's any question that you have to look at Todd Gurley's numbers from last year and say he's not going to do that again. You have to understand that going in. He's not getting in the end zone 21 times. But if Todd Gurley is going to fall, and he's going to fall to the third round. He's he's climbing fast. How fast is he climbing? And, I did a mock draft the other day. I saw him middle second round. So check your, third check round. your current ADP and see where Todd Gurley is. I'm telling you, he's at the end of the first round. I got him in the second round. The average ADP I'm seeing right now is middle of the second round. Where is he at about 16? 16. Okay. So is that where you think he ends up? No. I think it, you it think depends he's on the draft. Higher than that? I think it depends on if it's a half PPR, full so PPR, be, no PPR. But right now. He is getting taken in some drafts at the end of the first round. Where, I think that's a little too much stock to risk. So where – see, that's the thing. I'm not high on Todd Gurley. I understand he's not going to be as productive as he was last year and not productive as he was the year before that, but he's one of those guys where at some point I'm going to take him. I mentioned, hey, Zeke is inside. I'm not touching him. Let someone else take him. There is going to become a point where I say I got to take Todd Gurley. For you, it would not be middle of the second round? It would be end of the second round, beginning of the third. Okay. Right now, and that's not happening in any of my leagues. As time goes on, people are valuing Todd Gurley higher and higher. Uh, a lot of these fantasy podcasts that I listen to, a lot of the the drafts that they're having are having Todd Gurley go at the end of the first round. That's way too early. So, here's so another... we're not going to get him in the third. You'll see that. Okay. No, listen. I, look, the other thing you got to keep in mind is every league is different. If you get enough guys that just feel the same way, mm-hmm. that could happen. Um I don't know where he's going to go. Well, he I got probably... Todd Gurley lovers in all my leagues, so that's not happening. All right. But if you can land Todd Gurley in the end, at the beginning of the third round, somehow he's the type of guy that could win you a title. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just think you have to go in understanding, hey, he's not going to be the same guy as he was you know, last year or the year before that, but he can still be productive. Um, here's a guy that I think is affected negatively because of the team he plays on, and he plays on a very good team. Sony Michelle, he is affected because he's a Patriot. Because there's enough people that say, ah, it's Bill. You know, Bill, he loves using 85 different running backs. He loves having guys you never heard of, you know, go for 250 yards. Who was that guy three years ago? Jonah Gray. That was it. Jonas Gray Jonas with the six, Gray. six touchdowns <laughs> yes. on the Sunday night game against there, the Colts. There you go. I think Sony Michelle's different. I, I, think, I really do. I think that we finally have met. The guy who's going to be the closest thing to a bell cow running back for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Where do you draft Sony Michelle? I think Sony Michelle is an early first, fourth round pick, but uh, depends on the draft. Once again, this is a guy that had 931 rushing yards yeah. in the offense yeah. that nobody ever thought would see the, the light of 800 yards. And this is his second season. People are dismissing him. I don't know why they're discounting him so much. 
But if you can grab Michelle end of the third, beginning of the fourth, you'll have a consistent player in your hands on a winning team. Yes. Uh, let's get to the quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is number one. I think we all get that. How much of a drop do you think he has? And the second part is, obviously, format matters. How early do you draft him? Because I think that as the years have gone by, we've all kind of moved away from taking a quarterback way too early. You can find them anywhere. The guy threw 50 touchdown passes last year. When, when do you draft Mahomes? I don't think it's written that he is going to drop significantly. People are thinking all of a sudden the Chiefs are going to drop their offense completely. It's going to be a 25% drop. There's nothing proving to, to, to basically tell you that that offense is going to drop 15 to 20 to 25%. I still keep him number one. I see about a 7 to 12% drop-off. That's where I see Mahomes. Based on the preseason, and I know not many people take anything from the preseason, he's looked even better. He's looked brilliant. I still think he's the type of guy that you take beginning of the second round. Uh, who are the rest of your top five quarterbacks? Go. Watson, two. Rogers three. It was luck. I'm bringing Breeze to four. Goff, five. I am very similar, but not completely the same. Patrick Mahomes, number one. Aaron Rodgers and Watson, to me, a very close two and three. Uh, I won't get either guy, though. Like, these rankings, to me, are a waste of time because they will be drafted uh, ahead of where I would take any one of these guys. They're just these names, and I think Mahomes, Watson, and Rodgers, the three guys that will be overdrafted based on their name, performance, and whatnot. After that, after I get those top three guys, I'm not saying I'm putting these guys at four and five, but two guys I'm very intrigued by, Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is just going to produce. He he just is. I mean, you get enough from running the football. You get enough from getting in the end zone. You get enough from that that I don't need Lamar Jackson to be this great pocket passer. I don't need him to be. And I think Kyler Murray is going to put up big-time numbers. As far as the way I complete the top five, uh, I'm probably putting Matt Ryan feels reliable. So I'm going to put Matt Ryan four. And, you know, Jared Goff did have a great year last year. So I'll put Jared Goff five, but I love Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Depending on where guys and gals are going to get aggressive on taking them, they they may end up being my quarterback. So why are you disrespecting Drew Brees? Um, my concern with Drew Brees is this: at some point, he's going to be human. At some point, he's not going to be the 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 super productive guy he's been. And the other thing that I think is going to hurt him is. First of all, Drew Brees is 40 years old, all right? Tom Brady's not a top-five fantasy quarterback anymore. I don't and think I, he's top 12 anymore. Say it one more time. I don't think Brady's top 12 anymore, No, I've seen crazy to say. I've seen his ADP at, like, 150. I've seen Drew Brees' ADP at, like, 90, 95. But he's 40 years old. I think Kamara's going to have a huge role in this offense. And I just, I'm not as confident he's putting up 35 touchdown passes. I'm just not as confident about it. I mean, at some point when you're 40 years old, you're not going to be the same productive guy, especially from a fantasy standpoint. When's the last time the Saints had a reliable tight end? The Saints? It's <laughs> a good question. Number of years. They got Jared Cook this year. I yeah. think I think we're going to see a lot from Breeze to Cook. Uh, so so Breeze is in my top five. He's obviously out of yours. Who's your sleeper in the quarterback uh, ranking Well, system? does Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray qualify as sleepers or not really? Uh, yeah, qualify actually, the those are the two sleepers. Okay, yeah, then they, they, they're the them. guys. Uh, the guy that I absolutely am in love with, <laughs> my guys are going to take him in my league, they're going to hear this, is what? Dak Prescott. I think this is where we see Dak Prescott take the naysayers, 
and basically shun them for all time. Well, what time, what numbers are we talking about, though? I think we're going to see Dak Prescott throw for 38 to okay. 40 touchdowns this year. He I think done. he's going to run for about 7 to 10. He's never done that. I understand that. But this is a year where I see him just escalate in mm. his productivity, his maturity. And now he's got Gallup in a second year, a very underrated receiver with a tremendous route running ability. And he's got Amari Cooper for a full year. If Ezekiel Elliott could get his butt in camp in this next week, I think we're going to see from Dak Prescott. We'll put him in the top five quarterbacks next year. All right, before we get to some Twitter questions, we've got a few. Steve wanted to present, this is for all of our benefits, a fascinating stat from 2018 and how it's relevant in 2019. So go ahead. So uh, I, I told Evan before the show started that I wanted to talk about something cool, which would be something completely fascinating from 2018, something that we would never have thought of going into 2019, an underrated statistic. And my fascinating stat from 2018 is the, the team that led the league in rushing last year was the Seattle Seahawks. And my question pertaining to this fascinating statistic yes. is where do you see their running backs going with well, Chris Carson and Rashad but Penny? You know what the problem was for Seattle on why Chris Carson, who you know went for whatever it was, 1,100 yards, and the Seahawks as a team ran the football real well is because their running backs didn't catch a lot of footballs. You know what I mean? They weren't a big part of the receiving game. So depending on the league that you're in, um, if it's half-point PPR, that's the negative effect. I mean, at Chris Carson, sure, he went for 1,100 yards. How many balls did he catch? How many times did he get in the end zone as a receiver? How many receiving yards did he have? And the answer is not a lot. So it, you're, it's a fair point. It's surprising, and yet Chris Carson's ADP is what this season? I mean, you tell me. Do you see it? Well, yeah, right now he's going in the third round at some point, yeah. which is absolutely bananas. But it's but because he doesn't catch football. They weren't using him as a receiver. Isn't that the, isn't that the answer? No, and I believe that's why they're going to make C.J. Procise a bigger part of this offense, which seems to be the case if you're watching preseason and take anything from it. But he had three, Chris Carson had three of his six 100-yard rushing games in the last three games of the season last year. Now, Chris Carson didn't get you in the playoffs, but if he if you were in the playoffs – and you happen to have him, he probably won you a title mm -hmm. or, or got you to a championship game. Uh, you know, furthermore, they were against the Niners, the Chiefs, and the Cardinals, three of the worst teams in the league in rushing defense. He's not a priority target in the option uh, in the passing game, like you said. And I think Rashad Penny's going to take his job. Penny's a better back. He's faster. He's younger. And I think Carroll mm -hmm. wants his toy to basically overcome that position and win that job. So, you know, I can see Rashad Penny, but either way, I wouldn't touch any of these guys before round five. All right, we got a lot of Twitter questions. You ready to go burn through a few of them? Yeah, let's rock. All right, number one, uh, Frank, Film Schweiler on Twitter. Is Jacoby Brissett worthy of being a number one quarterback for your fantasy team? Right now, I wouldn't take Jacoby Brissett as my number one quarterback. I'd probably stash him on the bench. Yeah, take there's a quarterback more that's more reliable. Yeah. And then if he just comes and starts throwing week after week and putting up 303 touchdowns, of course you can you can slot him in there. But no, not as a number one. No, he's not a number one. Uh, there's just enough options. If you're in a 12-team league and you're not in a two-quarterback league, obviously that does change things if you're in one of those two-quarterback leagues. Uh, but as of now, no. 
Uh, Kaufman, Sam asked, should people take a risk on Melvin Gordon? I mean, you know, things are different now than they were years ago. When players went into camp and they held out, they were playing by week three to week five. Or they were in camp by week one. You know, based on what happened with Le'Veon Bell last year, Gordon may hold out this entire season. Now, think about what happened to Gordon last year. He got injured. And he's probably scared about re-injuring himself and costing his future. So, therefore, I wouldn't touch Gordon earlier than round four. Oh, I wouldn't touch him either. It's just, I mean, we talked about it with Zeke. And, obviously, Zeke is better. But I just can't touch guys who I don't think are ever going to be around. This is the most prominent Twitter question. I'm looking at at least five or six people that have asked the same question. And that's related to Josh Gordon. You know, do you trust him? Where would you take him? What do you think of Josh Gordon right now? No earlier than round nine. You know, if he happens to become Josh Gordon of old, which is highly improbable, uh, you know, you got yourself a gem there, but I wouldn't touch him before round nine. He may not he may not even start the season. I wouldn't trust him. Yeah, I wouldn't I, trust him. I, at this I just point how either. many times do people need to get burned by the same guy before you say F it, let someone else do it. Let someone else take that risk. I just can't deal I mean we again we've heard about this over and over again with him. And it just never works. It's amazing that he's still has the trust of that offense and Coach Belichick, but I, I wouldn't the touch him. He's got a lot of talent. He's got the talent. He could he could have a big game here and there, but I, I can see massive inconsistency from Gordon even well, when he plays. this is related to Todd Gurley because we were talking about where he's going to be drafted. Lou Frey wants to know, is Todd Gurley worth taking at number six overall? Absolutely not. You're putting way too much risk. If this is a league that you could care less about, yeah, you might as well, for just giggles, take him at six, but... I wouldn't touch Gurley in the top 12 at all. Wouldn't touch him at all. Uh, Rob Soper asks, ask Stephen Howard Beach. Wow, very specific. If he thinks Josh Rosen has any chance of being a decent quarterback in this league, I'm also a Finns fan. I love Steve. He didn't actually say I love Steve. I added that. <laughs> I added that for you. Um, as of right now, popular belief has it that he's going to start the season, but uh, I think Fitzpatrick is going to start the season. I think Fitzpatrick deserves to start the season. He's a veteran. Let's see what he can do with this offense. Uh, but I do believe that that Rosen will end up starting anywhere around week five or six. And, uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine. Based on what I've seen in preseason, I, I think he'll have a pretty decent season. But this offensive line is what scares me. And I don't think we can protect him. Why do you claim to be a fan of all sports, yet when you call our radio station, it's only about the Dolphins or the NFL? Do you because even like the Yankees and the Knicks and all these other teams? been a Yankee fan my whole life since I was a baby. Have you ever called a station about the Yankees? Over the, you got to remember, I've been calling Francesa and Russo when when I was, uh, was in decades eighth or ninth ago. grade. That was decades ago. Yeah, and that's what I, I would call them about the Dolphins and the Yankees, but... Ever since, like, I formed this relationship with you, it was always just Dolphins. And I understand my fandom. If you were to look at it like a pie of pizza, seven out of eight of those slices <laughs> right. are Miami Dolphins. The other slice is shared by the Yankees, the Rangers, and the Knicks. I mean, honestly, that last slice, 80% of it is the Yankees. Okay. But I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of the Yankees. I've been a fan of the Knicks, and I'm somewhat of a fan of the Rangers. I don't get to watch many games. you got to remember, I'm running five retail stores for the with a business here in the making for now 25 years. So I'm trying to do something pretty special in the health and fitness industry. 
And uh, it only gives me so much time to pay attention to every other sport, but I will not miss one second of Miami Dolphin football. In fact, I am on Twitter every day paying attention to all the news. Same thing with the internet. So it's, it's, it's Dolphins pretty much all the time. So I take that opportunity when I get to call into the station, which is not as much as it used to be, and I want to talk Dolphins. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, my last question for you is this. I will now give you the opportunity, because we did this at the top of the podcast last time, and it probably turned people off, for you to plug and say whatever the hell you want, okay? So now people can just shut the podcast off if they don't want to hear it, but if they want to hear more about you plugging your business or how you met me or your life story, I think now is the perfect time to do it, so the floor is yours. All right, so just let it be known that I don't make this a mandatory segment, but so I met, I've been a fan of the station forever. Love the station. Love being here, sitting here with Evan and Francesca's studio. This is a dream come true, right? Many aspects for me. I went to, I went to St. John's to study uh, business, sports business and business management and end up, you know, in the vitamin health and fitness industry. End up meeting Evan with a collaborative type venture where uh, I would advertise on the fan, but I'd get to have Evan. Yes, as my guinea as pig. my dis, like little disciple or guinea pig in the gym for the better part of about and five or six months. Yeah, what happened is for five months, you changed my eating habits, told me exactly what to eat, and then kicked my ass in the gym. I'd say five days a week, and that went on for months and months, and it was it was a huge change. I mean, to this day, there are things that are left. Like here's a great example: when I met Steve, I would drink cherry coke all the time. I just ingested cherry coke. One of the, the basic things at the top was no more soda. No, very simple, no more soda. I have not had a sip of soda since. And one time, I guess I'm lying here, where I accidentally had a sip of soda because it was an alcoholic drink, almost threw up. That's how, that's how much you changed me on a small aspect, but a significant aspect. Cannot look at soda, cannot drink soda, and that all started with the program we were doing together. Yeah, so I started a company when I was a sophomore in college called Natural Body, only because I was born with a disease called familial lipase lipoprotein deficiency. My body doesn't produce lipase. It ties into the whole health and fitness thing that I've created here. And, um, you know, when I started my company, uh, I believed through action that people can see better through changing their life in better ways than, than doing some of the things that they were doing in the gyms, like like the anabolics and the steroids and the this and the that and the poor eating habits. So I got into personal training when I started my company as well to pay my bills. And 25 years later, we have five retail stores, two in Brooklyn, one in New Rochelle, which is where Evan kind of lives in that area. Yeah, I live reasonably close. The headquarters yeah. here in, Ozone, in uh, Ozone Park, Queens, New York, and store number five opening this week in Belmore, Long Island. And uh, honestly, we are probably the the most respected specialty retailer for sports nutrition and vitamins in the country. Now you become a big deal. Party. Rob Gronkowski was there. He worked six hours with his brother, Chris, and me and Jevin, uh, Evan are enjoying our ice shaker beverages today. <laughs> so uh, shout out to him. You but become a big, big deal because when I was working with you, you had one store. It was a nice store, but it felt more like a community store, very small. And now that store is blown up. It's a superstore, and you've got places all over. So you really, uh, you're blown up. But listen, for anybody out there, you know, if you ever have any questions, just hit me up on Twitter at uh, Natural Body or uh, on Instagram at Natural Body. Life is about kicking ass, working hard, and 
always believe in yourself. You know, it's what every great athlete always says. Right? That's very inspirational. And I've taken this to, to a different level in, in vitamins. All right. Well, let's, that, let's finish this out. Let's finish what out? We're done. you have anything else to say? I, 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 I want to touch a little bit on, <laughs> yeah, on Derrick Henry. Okay. Because this is a guy that just basically came out of the woodwork last year and put up better numbers than we've seen at the running back position over the last five or six games than we've seen probably in history. Right. What are your thoughts on Derrick Henry? And then we can wrap this up. Um... I mean, you're right, and it was a big surprise last year, too, because I didn't see that necessarily coming. I mean, he doubled his touchdown total. He was well over 1,000 yards. I would it, – it, look, it all depends on who I'm getting with my first two picks, but he's a very interesting – to me at least, maybe you look at it differently – as a late third-round guy. So if I end up with my first two picks, let's say getting a receiver and a running back, I think he has my second back – I'd be happy with, but he definitely had a very productive year last year. I'll tell you one guy, since we're talking about running backs again, that I would stay away from to the point where I don't know if I'd even draft him. That's Kareem Hunt. I can't touch him because think about it this way. Kareem Hunt is out for the first eight weeks of the year. Okay. That's gone. Eight weeks, not four weeks. Last year I drafted Mark Ingram. To me, it was okay. Four weeks. I could survive. No big deal. Guy's out eight weeks. He comes back. What's his role even going to be? Yeah. And if Nick Chubb puts together a, you know, a streak of eight excellent games. You yeah. think they're going to give Kareem Hunt 50% no. of the touches? No way. And so he comes back. It's now week 10. That first week back, I don't know what he does. Chubb has probably taken the job. But even if Chubb doesn't take the job, look at where we are in the season. Are you able to afford that? Are you able to place a roster spot with this guy, not have him help you at all for the first eight, nine weeks of the season, which is a significant part of the season? If you're two and six, what the hell did it do for you? So that's a guy I would specifically stay away from. The, the, the only way Kareem Hunt pays dividends is in the case of an injury. That's it. Yeah, so that's but, why I wouldn't take But him. even if that happens, the perfect scenario for Kareem Hunt, look at when in the season you're getting him back. Like, to me, you can be a cocky fantasy owner and say, I'll be fine. All I got to do is survive it. I, I can't look at it that way. It's one thing if a guy's out four weeks, and you could just kind of stash him there. No big deal. It's not, not the end of the world. Chris Herndon is a perfect example. Eight weeks is too much for me. It's just too much. Unless this guy is an elite guy who had a, a role ready for him, I just wouldn't take a risk like that. Where do you see Duke Johnson? You know, not a lot's been made of this uh, Duke Johnson being in Houston with this Lamar Miller injury. This is a guy that's shown flashes of brilliance in the passing game. Great, great receiver. What do you think about Duke, Duke well, Johnson? The, the most appealing part about Duke Johnson is the fact that the opportunity is going to be there. I mean, that's really the most appealing thing. There's been nothing about his career over the last few years that would excite me. But right now, he is going to be clearly the guy. So from that aspect, I'm intrigued. I got to think, where would I take a guy like Duke Johnson? Sixth, seventh round? Yeah. Is that fair? You know, he's escalating down to, you know, he's eighth earlier. Now he's probably six. But because of the opportunity, he's going to get it. I mean, that, that's the most appealing part about him. I think that offense is ready to let Watson unleash hell. I think we're going to see a spread offense. I think we're going to see a lot more of him outside the pocket, throwing the ball. And I think as a result, Duke Johnson's numbers are going to be inflated. All right, Steve. You did a hell of a job. I think that's about all she wrote. Would you right? leave? Let, my last question for you. Go ahead. Would you quit your business? You're done if you were offered an opportunity to do a daily show on WFN. No, making less I, money, I wouldn't. Honestly, making significantly I've gotten less to a money. point now where I've created the management that my staff would be like, Steve, 
We got this. Go and do it. So you can do it. I can do okay. it. Okay. Do you, you want me to send you into the boss's office and you can just pitch yourself if to him? If it was A or B, Boy, stop natural body or B at WFAN, no, I'm I'm going to be the king of retail because okay. we are in the business of changing lives, not no, just selling are. product. No, you changed my Seriously, I, jokes aside, you changed my life. I eat much better. I, I put an emphasis on exercise. We're putting together a little exercise room in our house, and a lot of it are the lessons I learned And you haven't Stephen met Howard my Beach. general manager to help make all of this happen. His name is Tim Gritzman. He's actually... Former tight end at Notre Dame, played behind Fasano. No, nice. I met Tim. He's from Chicago, and he's helped see my vision and grow our company. No, nice. He knew everything I was planning to do by understanding what I had in my brain, and then we basically laid it out together, and the company's grown tremendously ever since. I wanted to give your listeners a coupon code as well. <laughs> but Natural Body, okay. you go to naturalbodyinc.com and enter. How do you want to do it? Uh, enter fantasy, just the word fantasy, you will get 10% off every order wow. you place. So enter the word, and you'll get a free gift from Stevie <laughs> himself, from me. So enter the word Here's fantasy, the you'll get 10% off on I'm gonna every I'm going to be honest order. with you. Go ahead. We are an hour and change into this podcast, and one thing about podcasts in general, maybe not just mine, but in general, is when you get to that hour mark, there's less people listening. So you should have offered the code Right at the top. You should have said, before we get started. You know, you could edit this. <laughs> no, I don't believe in editing. Monzo can Every... get creative and cut it and put it to the front. No, listen. Here's one thing about the Evan Roberts podcast. Whether I'm on the beach talking about 90210, which, which occurred. Whether I'm instant reacting to a Met game or I'm doing this with Steve. This is a live-to-record podcast. There's no editing. None of that BS. All right? We just give you what happened. So there will be no editing. Yeah, we just won it. We just so, won it. Yeah. <laughs> we won it. <laughs> we won it. <laughs> All right, Steve. Excellent job. Great job. Stephen Howard Beach, if you want more football next week on the Evan Roberts podcast, you're not involved, Steve, so calm down. The official predictions podcast. All right? Wins, division winners, Super Bowl, the whole shebang. That's next week. Also, after Clash of Champions, the WWE pay-per-view, there'll be an instant reaction. And yeah, as you never know, there you never know when there's an instant reaction podcast. I do it when I feel like it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Goodbye now.